Good afternoon, boxing fans around the world. Back again on Combat Talk Radio, found at combattalkradio.net with a our weekend of boxing updates here. Feel free to check us out. Once again, the site is combattalkradio.net. Leave us some comments, questions, suggestions, feedback on how we're doing, and we will get right into our weekend of boxing. Double update today here, folks, on Combat Talk Radio. Let's go ahead and crash course through our fights. we got a stacked weekend of events. You might want to check out across all of the different promotionals. At the tail end, we're going to talk about the big news that came out very recently and cover that real real brief and just cover my thoughts of, you know, what I believe, however people disagree, and that's cool. But let's get into what's scheduled. First up, there are some fights actually happening today, and there's some fights happening tomorrow. So I'm going to try to catch the fights that are happening today first. These kind of went a little bit under the radar. The only one I saw, I I don't know what this one, because I don't know either of these, these guys. It's on the zone. It's out in Orlando and Florida out here. Ashton Sill fighting Adam Kapenga. I know nothing about either guy. They seem like, like they look like they're older, but Sill is pretty young, but they look like they're older. They, but their records, it's like they're fresh starters, fresh out the gate. Don't know. Kapenga's, he's already had some losses, already on decline. He's a southpaw. I don't think much of him. Like this one looks like one of those fights that's just set up to make Sill look good. And you could have this shocking upset, you know, where the guy just gets sparked out because, you know, he's knocked out all of his opponents and everything else. But I don't know if I would rank anybody that he's fought. Most people have Silv getting the knockout, but there are some people who think Kapenga could do an upset on this one. I Again, I know nothing about these people. It's apparently being promoted by uh, Jake Paul's deal, uh, MVP promotion. So I, I do nothing about it. It kind of flew out the radar for me. But if you have the zone, you want to check that out. Maybe it might be a good scrap. Then let's talk about what's happening on uh, tomorrow's events, 27th. Mauricio Lar versus Lay Wood. I, I thought this was happening a couple of weeks ago. Apparently, it was either rescheduled or the dates were wrong. I don't know because it's happening now. Same with um, Terry Harper's fight. That's happening here. This is on the undercard of Jack Catterall's fight. Of course, Jack Catterall was ducked by Josh Taylor, so he took another fight here. Well, let's talk about Wood versus uh, Lara. The, the story of the fight here, I believe it was Lara missed weight coming into this. And so the controversy was like, geez, how'd you come in so dang big? Because there's a catch weight on here too. He still missed it. So the title is vacated. Essentially, WBA, featherweight, vacated. Only Lee Wood can win it. So if Lee Wood gets the W, he would get the title. Now, Lee Wood's coming fresh off a stoppage. And, you know, with this weight deal, Lara is huge. He's coming off a major streak. So the odds are totally against Laywood. Totally against him. Could he pull it out? Yes. I don't think he will because it feels like Lara just, I don't know <laughs> if he just didn't want to move up or whatever because he's still young versus Laywood is a little bit older. Lara's still young. So I, him missing weight like this is really a sad. This is the zone out in Manchester if you want to check that one out. Lawrence Acoli fighting Chris Billum Smith. And this was a fight people had their eyes on. It's cruiserweight, WBO, 12 rounds. It's on Fight TV in the U.S., Sky Sports in the U.K. Of course, I know both guys. This one, I you know, I don't think much of Florence Acoli. He's not a bad fighter. He's got, he's, he's you know, he gets his knockouts and he gets him out of there and he does good. He's, he's on a win streak. He's undefeated, all that. I just, I don't think much of him overall. There are people out there that think 
that Bill Smith could actually upset Lawrence Acoli because Lawrence Acoli is certainly the A side here. He is believed to completely take this guy out. People are just, I think I'm not alone when I say that Lawrence Acoli should be more than what he is. He doesn't put himself all out there, and the knockouts he gets are not spectacular deals. He's, again, decent, good fighter. I just don't think he's that special, and I think at some point he's going to get exposed if he tries to step up. That's my opinion on that one. Then we got an ESPN Plus on the U.S., BT Sport in the U.K., 12 rounds of featherweight action. We got Luis Alberto Lopez fighting on Michael Conlon. Of course, I know both guys very, very well. Big fan of Lopez am I. Conlon, I think he's a good, decent fighter. He's out of Ireland, I believe. Decent, good fighter. But to me, I don't see any way Conlon wins this fight. That's not a dismiss on him. He could absolutely prove me wrong, and I hope he does because I think he's a good dude. I just think Luis uh, Lopez is just that much better in this one. And again, hopefully I'm proven wrong. Hopefully Conlon comes with something to prove. This is in his hometown, I believe it is. So I hope he proves me wrong, steps up, and gets it done. Coming off the loss, not loss, coming off the last fight, Lopez came off. He struggled a little bit in his last fight. Other than that, he did decent, but he's been struggling ever recently, even though he's not that old. He's been struggling recently. Whereas Conlon's coming off a major win, knockout in the first, so he's riding on a high. The reason I favor Lopez in this fight, now, mind you, Lopez has the disadvantages. Lopez is a shorter guy. Lopez has less reach. The reason I favor Lopez is less about Lopez himself and more about Conlon in the sense that if Lopez can catch Conlon with something he doesn't see, which is a possibility in this fight, that he can get the win and and what would be a shocker? It would be a shocker if he pulled it off. People don't think he will, right? So Conlon is certainly the favorite. I'm saying that Lopez has enough to be able to catch and get that W if he shows up and he's able to time it. Remember, if you didn't know, Lopez has more experience than Conlon. That thing will play into factor when you watch the fight. Again, as a, a personal fan of Conlon, hopefully he proves me completely wrong on that one. Hope he does. 12 rounds of minimum weight action on the zone out here in Indio, California. Uh, Oscar Calazos fighting Melvin Jerusalem. I, I like Calazo because he feels like he feels like a throwback fighter at, at times. Southpaw, really good stance, really good style. He's coming off a fresh set of wins. Jerusalem has been, he's lost a couple, but he's been on a win streak recently. So this is a good matchup. Age-wise, they're matched really well. Height, they're matched really well. Reach, they're matched really well. The advantage leans ever slightly on the height to Jerusalem. I don't believe it's going to play too much in a factor. Experience absolutely plays to Jerusalem. Jerusalem's a little bit older. And since it's minimum weight, you got to think that Colazzo is going to blow this guy out. I could get that wrong. But in terms of age, Colazzo's just young. He's a young guy, fresh, up and coming, just started in the game, has everything in front of him. But when you're on the lower weight classes, it's harder for you to maintain that momentum, you know, as the minimum weights, because, you know, they go to war almost all the time. And at some point, it's going to catch up with you. And it seems like they age sooner and easier than some of the greater weight classes. So most people have it the same way I do, which is Colazzo getting Jerusalem out of there. doesn't mean that Jerusalem doesn't have a chance to shock the world and upset this young guy. The next one we got is ESPN Plus in the U.S., BT Sport in the U.K., 12 rounds of featherweight action. This is Nick Ball fighting Laduma Lamadi. I don't know anything about Lamadi. Uh, Ball I've seen one time. This is in Belfast, Ireland, or in the U.K., 
I, I seen him one time. I didn't get to see very much of him. Seemed decent for what I saw, but I don't know enough about either guy really to gauge the fight. Just on the numbers, you know, Lamadi's the older fighter. They're both undefeated. Lamadi's the older fighter, ever slightly. I would say Lamadi has all the advantages on the numbers except for his age. Other than that, they're pretty evenly matched in terms of the, the wins, the knockouts. And I would say experience certainly favors Lamadi by a wide margin. Most people have Nick Ball taking Lamadi out, though. I don't know that I agree with it with the certainty that he does. Obviously, on just the numbers, it feels like Lamadi does have a chance to win this fight. And so to me, it's kind of a toss-up. However, we got to look at the fact that Lamadi was was went to a no contest in one of his past fights and see if that might have messed with him. I don't see that in his recent streak. Seems like he's back. Seems like he's back on there. So this might be an interesting fight to watch just stylistically to see who's going to move on and retain that O and who's going to drop out. Then, of course, you got uh, on the zone 10 rounds of super lightweight action out in Manchester. Jack Catterall, who was ducked by Josh Taylor, by the way, fighting Dara Foley. I've never heard of Dara Foley at all. Don't know anything about Dara Foley at all. Jack Catterall is a really good fighter. He's a solid fighter that got a bum rap against Josh Taylor, who ducked him on a rematch, faking injuries to avoid the guy. Obviously, because he didn't want the smoke, Jack Catterall is a really good fighter, just stylistically brilliant. He's not the guy that's going to get you out of there by knockout. He's a stylistically brilliant boxer. The level of experience is roughly equal to these two guys. However, if you look at the numbers, Foley has every advantage except for one very important one, and that's the fact that he's been struggling in his recent fights He's fresh off a stoppage, but it was a lesser soft touch. Before that, he got dominated twice and then a technical uh, draw prior to this. So he's been kind of in, and he's a little bit older. He is a southpaw, but so is Catterall. So look for headbutts possibly in this fight. I, I don't see a reason Catterall doesn't win this. Catterall is a much superior fighter in this regard, and I think he's just doing to stay busy because Josh Taylor ducked him. I don't want to say it's a waste of a fight because Foley will try. He certainly will try. I just don't think he's got anything for Catterall, in my opinion. Then, same in Manchester. Ten rounds of super welterweight women's action. Terry Harper fighting Ivana Havazin. I remember both of these uh, ladies when they fought. Terry Harper, of course, has been on a little bit of a decline. She's still young. For the women, she's really young. So she's still kind of in the prime of her career, but she's been on the slip a little bit recently. Habazine's coming off a loss, so both ladies are on the rebound and the rebuild. Habazine has way more experience. She's obviously older. Neither are knockout artists. They're not going to try to get you out of there. And Harper, again, has been on such a decline at a young age. You know, she's already been knocked out, stopped before. So I don't know. I don't know if I would bet on Harper this time, even though, like, stylistically she should win. Age-wise, she should be better. I don't know that I would be brave enough to put any bank on that one. It feels like Habazine is going to easily take this one, in my opinion, anyway. Most people think Terry Harper dominates Habazine. I don't know that I agree with that. I don't know that I agree with it personally. That's my opinion on that one. And then, Fight TV in the U.S., Sky Sports in the U.K., at uh, Burnmouth in the U.K., 10 rounds at Super Welterweight Action, the return of Sam Eggington, who had once retired, but he came back. He's fighting Joe Pigford. Big fan of Sam Eggington. I did him on my Lifeblood of Boxing series. I'm a big fan of him. He's a warrior. He comes to fight every single time. Eggington, after he came back, he's coming off of a loss, but it was a really close loss. He, he tried the hardest he could. I didn't see he was on the decline. 
However, he has a lot of losses. He's been, he goes to war every time he goes out there. Every time he's going to war and he's going to try. Pickford's still undefeated. He's never been beaten in that ring. Pickford's a knockout artist. Pickford doesn't have as much experience, rounds in the books as Sam Eggington, but I'm going to easily lean Pickford in this fight. And I say that as a fan of Eggington. That's not dismissing him. But Pickford's another level in terms of just dominance. Pickford has a height advantage. Pickford's roughly the same age, but Pickford's going to try to get you out of there. He's not going to play that. <laughs> and so as good as I think Eggington is, and I do think highly of him, I just think he's, you know, Pickington's, or Pickford, sorry, is going to be too much for Eggington in this fight. The thing is, social media believes Eggington gets the W. I'm shocked at that. Not because, again, because I'm a fan of him, but Pickford, I just think he's, I just think he's better than Eggington just as a fighter. Maybe there's something I'm not seeing, and Eggington shocks me and completely dominates the dude. I don't know, but this is a fight I think worth seeing. It's Eggington and Pickford. I think that's one of the good ones. I think you're going to see some real good action on that one. Then we got ESPN Plus in the U.S., BT Sport in the U.K., 12 rounds of super featherweight action. Anthony Cassace fighting Damian Rosinski. I don't know anything about either guy. I don't want to do him any disservice. Just on the numbers, they are slightly older, both of them. Uh, Cassace is the southpaw, so it'll play in. Neither are knockout artists. This feels like an undercard fight. I don't think it's going to really excite people. I'm surprised it's on ESPN+. Plus. It's out in Belfast in the UK if you want to check it out locally. I don't think this fight will be much, in my opinion. Most people have Cassace winning by a boring points decision. Then, the return of Alexis Rocha. Alexis Rocha, of course, was the guy who completely dominated Blair the Flair Cobbs in his most recent fight. He was on an extended out because he was trying to get an opponent. He ducked Blair on the rematch. That's good. No problem. Fighting Anthony Young. This is out in Indio again on DAZN. Of course, we know Rocha. I don't know anything about Anthony Young. Both guys have, you know, I think they're in the, the I want to say not twilight. That's the wrong word. But I think they're, they're at a point of a crossroads. Both guys. So Alexis Rocha is riding a high. He's been on a dominant win streak very recently. And the Blair Cobbs was such a shocker the way that went down. He's on a good win streak. Anthony Young is on the slight decline. He's certainly older. But the equivalent experience, to me, Rocha should easily dominate this guy. And I don't say that to dismiss him. I just think, again, I don't see any reason why he should not win this fight. I, I struggle with... It's not that I think he's a bum or any of that kind of stuff. I just I struggle why the fight's even booked this way. Social media has it as a toss-up. I'm shocked at that. I Again, not dismissing Anthony Young at all. I'm not dismissing him, but I don't see that he's anywhere in Alexis Roach's class. Alexis Roach is a really good fighter. He's only just not shown up basically that one time. That was Rashidi Ellis, and I said the way he fought is why he lost. If he had shown up against Rashidi like he did against Blair Cobbs, he might have won the damn fight, and he just didn't. So I just think Alexis is on another level, but who knows? Young could go in there and show me something. I just didn't see it. Apparently, Roach is gunning to try to get to Terrence Crawford for 147. I don't, now, of course, that's my update here coming shortly. I, I don't see that, but I haven't seen Alexis Roach distract. It seems like he's got his eyes on this uh, Anthony Young right in front of him. On the undercard, then, the same event here out in Indio, 10 rounds of lightweight action, Oscar Duarte fighting D'Angelo Keys. Don't know anything about either guy. I've never seen either guy fight. Both young guys seem like they're in the prime of their careers. The experience certainly leads to Duarte by far. He's coming off of a huge knockout win. 
And then just prior to that, yet another knockout. So he's the knockout guy here. He's only lost the one time. The vast majority of people have D'Angelo Keys dominating Duarte. I don't see it on the numbers, but maybe there's something I don't know. Because again, I don't, I've not watched either guy before, so I don't want to say for sure, but it feels like Duarte should take this just based on the numbers at least. The last fight I see here is John Scrappy Ramirez fighting Fernando Diaz. This is on the zone out in Indio, 10 rounds of super flyweight action. Ramirez is obviously undefeated. Diaz has got some losses. Ramirez is he's a knockout artist at times, but there's been times he's been taking the distance, but he's going to try to get you out of there, whereas Diaz is not. They're both young. So Ramirez is only 27. Diaz is only 23. Diaz already has three losses. So this feels like a setup fight to just, you know, make Ramirez shine against a, a tough opponent. Because, you know, certainly Diaz is tough. He's absolutely tough. He's never been knocked out with the three losses. He's never been knocked out that I can see. So he's tough, if nothing else. So I think this is just a showcase for Ramirez. That's all we got for our boxing events. Now, let's talk about what's on deck here that's coming up soon that I think you should be intrigued by. It's been a long time, but apparently we're finally here. Errol Spence, the truth, the current unified, he's unified. He's got the WBC. He's got the WBA and he's got the IBF titles finally fighting. Apparently Terrence Bud Crawford, who has the WBO for unifying the division, the welterweight division at 147. This is a long time coming. And I want to give you some background in case you weren't following it or you stopped following it because people were playing games. So Errol Spence, the first title that he ever got was the IBF. The story behind this is that the IBF, Sean Porter had it. Sean Porter lost it when Kell Brook took it on U.S. shore. So he came over, fought Porter, took the belt from Porter, went back overseas. Errol Spence gets the shot. He goes over to Kell Brook's hometown, beats Kell Brook, and stops him on his own turf. And I remember the commercial where it was saying, you know, how are you going to deal with all these chair and fans and all this from Kell Brook? Didn't seem to deter Spence. He was getting outboxed at front, but later he turned it up and stopped Kell Brook. People made excuses like on NSB and others because Brooke was fresh off of fighting Golovkin, which was an ill-advised decision because the eye that Golovkin shattered was not the same eye that Spence shattered. Spence shattered the other one. <laughs> so then Spence gets the IBF, take, brings it back to the U.S. after Spence lost it domestically. Fast forward then, and then Spence gets the title shot to fight Sean Porter for the WBC title. Sean Porter fought as hard as hell. He fought as hard as hell. It wasn't enough. Spence was able to get a drop very late game. He's able to knock, knock down Sean Porter. If Spence had not knocked down Sean Porter, we don't know how that fight would have ended up. I'm being honest because Porter gave everything the hell he had in that one. Spence takes the WBC story of that one comedy in the post fight. He's like, why are you wearing that green jacket? Give me that green jacket. Take your bail. Give me that. Give it over here. Give it over here. So then now he's got two belts, IBF, WBC. Chatter around unifying with Terrence Crawford next. Terrence Crawford does multiple interviews talking about, well, I don't need the Spence fight and I don't need to fight him. And I'm number one pound for pound because I beat Jeff Horn and I beat the man to beat the man. He's doing everything he can not to make the fight happen, basically, is what's happening with Crawford. Separately, then, Manny Pacquiao beats Keith once upon a time Thurman, takes the WBA title. So now Manny's holding this title. Rumors about Spence and Manny unifying to get the WBA. I actually did a video about that on YouTube when it was being chatted around. 
Spence gets injured. Manny starts chasing Crying Garcia for a fight nobody believed was going to really happen. The WBA is like, screw you. We're going to strip you because you're trying too hard to make a fight we don't want. So they strip him of the WBA title, which elevated Jordanius Ugas. Jordanius Ugas was the regular WBA champion. And then he got elevated to super after Manny got stripped. So now Jordanius Ugas is the full WBA champion. Spence and Ugas make a deal because they're both under Al Heyman. Spence goes in there. Ugas was Ugas was tagging Spence. Ugas was clearly winning rounds. Ugas was, and then Spence turns it up late, which he always does. He turns it up late, starts beating the body like nobody had ever seen, just broke him down, broke him down and forces a stoppage. First time Ugas had ever been stopped, Spence takes the WBA. So now Spence has WBC, IBF, WBA titles. Tries again to make a fight with Terrence Bud Crawford. Rumors are they're getting close. All of a sudden, Crawford walks away from negotiations, announces he's going to fight David Avenesian out of nowhere, which means he was negotiating bad faith behind the scenes and wasn't serious about making the arrow fight. Spence comes out on Twitter and said, now I'll see the hold up was. Crawford's talking about, I told him I need to fight and I need to do the fight. And this is, the, I, I agreed to all their terms and all this, which wasn't true. Crawford goes to BLK Prime, basically robs these people at $10 million, allegedly. Fights David Avenesian. Story of the fight. Crawford's gloves start falling apart. Most fighters come out and they talk about, okay, that means the gloves were used because the way that that fell apart, there's no way that these were new gloves and there's no way they were checked. The glove manufacturer comes out defending Crawford saying, no, it's a manufacturing glitch. Fighters are like, no, these were used gloves. There's no way. The fight's not stopped. So then Crawford gets a stoppage, knockout, knockout of Avenesian with these sketchy falling apart gloves, basically a bare knuckle knockout. Now Spence has not taken a fight. He's basically waiting on Crawford, purposely waiting on Crawford. And what I said to people is, I want you to look at this. I want you to analyze the two sides. In one situation, a guy walked away from negotiations to go fight a soft touch with falling apart sketchy gloves. Meanwhile, Spence said, Crawford is the one I want, and I'm not going to take a soft touch. I want to fight Terrence Crawford. People to this day, to this day, are constantly blaming Errol Spence, saying he's ducking Crawford, but that doesn't make any sense. One guy walked away from negotiations, and this is the guy who was the B side, who needed to accept all turns from the A side to make the fight happen, and we knew that he could. The other thing is, Crawford could have just simply joined Al Heyman for a short deal, which is what Manny did. It's what Canelo did. It's what Mikey did. It's what Josecito did. Like so many fighters have done that. Join Al Heyman, one or two fight deal, get what you want, get out and go out, go elsewhere and do whatever you want to do. Crawford refused to do that. He wanted to promote himself, which is why it fell apart. Well, now apparently they announced, okay, we got a deal done. Well, Spence and Crawford announced it on social media. They went on first tape talking about the fight, but apparently Crawford this time agreed to a two fight deal with PBC. And I come back and say, why the hell didn't you do that the first effing time almost cussed to avoid this nonsense and delaying the fight? And I can only think he was trying to age Spence out or wait for him to get a little bit older, a little bit on the decline, go and rob a bank real quick and then come back and see if Spence is on the decline. But the other thing is it creates excuses because Crawford is now, I believe, two years older than Errol Spence. He's 35. He was getting tagged at will by David Avenesian. He was getting tagged at will by Sean Porter. He was getting tagged at will by Kell Brook. He was getting jabbed to hell by Amir Khan. It's like, and then, you know, Cavalaskis two-piece wobbled and dropped him. He's not looked stellar in the 147 fights he's been in 
minus Jeff Horn. So then it's like, you're looking terrible every fight out, dude. And so now if Spence goes in there and completely washes him, there's just going to be excuses. Oh, Spence aged him out or this and that and the other. Instead of if he had just simply accepted the fight back then and say, you know what, Al Heyman, let's just make a two-fight deal and get this thing done because I want to fight this dude. He goes and fights this soft touch that he knows he's going to get criticism for. And I'm thinking, why are you taking so long to avoid this unless you just simply don't want to fight this dude? And you're now looking to cash out because you're older and you realize you're getting tagged at will in every damn fight. Don't get me wrong. Spence does get hit. Everybody he's gone against has hit him. But the difference with Spence, he walks through those shots. He walks through and he'll walk you down and frequently come forward. Like he doesn't really fight on the back foot. Early rounds, he tests it and he'll hit you and he'll touch you and he'll touch you. And then he waits for you to step up. Well, Crawford is a counterpuncher by nature. He doesn't go after you unless he sees you're in trouble. So now you got Spence. He's going to touch you and touch you and touch you. Just like Porter touched him and touched him and touched him. Bomax is going to be screaming at him in the corner to stay calm because Crawford's eventually going to make a mistake and get tagged on the chin, which I expect to happen. If Crawford's able to land on Spence, which I think he will, Spence is just going to start walking him down with brutal body work. And now we're going to see the thing turn up. And again, if Spence blows him out, we're going to hear excuses about his age and it's all Crawford's fault because all he had to do was sign the damn deal way back years ago. It's Maypack all over again. So for me, I'll put it on record. I believe, I firmly believe, setting aside the excuses I know are going to come, I firmly believe Errol Spence beats this man. I think Spence is going to get hit. I'm pretty sure Spence is going to get dropped at least one time. Pretty darn sure. Spence, you know, Crawford seems to be able to drop guys with shots you can't see. However, his performance against Avanesian gets me thinking, okay, maybe he's enough declined where Spence is just going to be able to deal with him with veritable ease. That's possible. Most people thought Crawford's small. I don't think that's going to play into factor. I think what's going to play into factor is what kind of strategy Crawford employs against a guy, because guarantee you, Derek James ain't going to throw no towels like, you know, Kenny Porter did. So, I mean, Spence is going to be there all night long. He's going to be there all night long because I don't see Spence quitting. I don't. I think Spence is going to be there all night long and we're going to really test these guys. But I, I firmly believe in my heart of hearts that Spence is the better boxer. I think Crawford might be the better fighter. I think Spence is the better boxer. And to me, when you have a really, really good boxer versus a really, really good fighter, it tends to lean towards the boxer depending on the strategy of the fighter. If the fighter can't employ the right strategy to deal with the boxer, I know people talk about Crawford can adapt and switch hit and all that stuff. I don't know that it's going to do much good against Errol Spence because, again, if he sees that it's time to turn it up, he just starts walking you down, hitting you with body stuff, or hit you on the chin mid-exchange. And I think it's going to be brutal, especially when he was able to drop Sean Porter. Because remember, it was difficult to drop Sean Porter. Very few people could drop Sean Porter. Broner was the first to do it. That was a shot Porter didn't see. Crawford was eventually able to drop Sean Porter when Sean Porter lost his composure. Spence was able to drop Sean Porter mid-throw, but it's like it's shots you don't see coming that drop Sean Porter. So in this Crawford-Spence situation, I think Spence might get dropped. I truly do because he might catch a shot he doesn't see, but Spence was eating bombs off Sean Porter. He was eating bombs off your Dennis Ugas, and the, uh, with the exception of his stupidity with the mouthpiece, Spence was never in any real trouble with the Ugas. It's just that Ugas was landing. Crawford will land. I can almost assure you he'll land. Question is, will Spence just walk through the punches? Because if Spence walks through Crawford's punches, Crawford has no chance here. 
I'm not dismissing Terrence Crawford. I'm saying that I rate Spence higher as a boxer. That's my point. That's my call. Let's see if the fight goes down. It's in July, I heard. If the fight goes down, let's see how it turns out, and let's see who really gets it right, and let's see who can finally unify the division after so many years of not having a unified champion. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Combat Talk Radio, Masterpiece Boxing, found at combattalkradio.net. I want to thank you for listening today, whether you are a subscriber or not. I know you have choices, and I appreciate you for being here. Just to remind those that are new to the show, Combat Talk Radio records every Friday, so once a week in the Pacific time zone. And then Lifeblood of Boxing series, which is our coverage of the boxers I think are worth your time and give to the sport. That's once per month. It does not have a fixed schedule, but once a month I'll have a release until I run out of ones that I think are worth covering for Lifeblood of Boxing. So those are our two programs. It is podcast only at this point. We want to hear from you. So combattalkradio.net at the bottom. Hit comments, feedback. Let us know how we're doing. If there's anything that you'd like to see us adjust or improve, we want to hear from you, and we are open to that feedback. We also are open to starting up the YouTube again, but it seemed like that died off when Lomachenko took a loss, and we don't know why. So if somebody knows why or they'd like to hear the YouTube coverage, let us know that as well in the comments, and we are open to doing it. We just need to make sure the fans are there. Right now they're on the podcast not on the YouTube for whatever reason specific. We're open either way. Anyhow, that'll do it, and I will see you guys next week.